0: Well, good evening, Y.A. How are you guys doing? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Why you guys grab your seats? We're about to get into the Word of God this evening. Uh, it's always a joy to be uh, amongst the beloved, if you're meeting for the first time, saints and ain'ts. My name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, and ultimately, our body here at uh, Calvary, and Calvary YA specifically, exists to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And so I'm glad you guys are here tonight as we are in week seven of, which is apparently the number of completion in the Bible. Good stuff, right? Uh, We're talking about how we are to be a people who uh, are going to be fruitful and multiply. To be fruitful and multiply. Now, immediately, some of you guys are thinking, babies. Like that's what comes to mind. Like what are we talking about, Aaron? I'm not married. I'm not preparing for all this stuff. But we're going to be talking a little differently about this idea of being fruitful and multiplying. Before I jump into the text this evening, can I pray? Is that okay with you? Lord, we just ask that as we just jump into your word, Lord, you begin to open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you, Lord God, to hear your voice, Lord. Incline our hearts to just respond to the power of your word, O God, with lives of repentance, I ask that people begin to pursue you in a deeper, more fervent way, Lord God, because of your word that's spoken this evening. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Well then, be fruitful and multiply. Tonight, my time with you is to tell you or to convince you of this one point, that God has called his people to be fruitful and to multiply that God has called his people to be a people who are fruitful and multiply. Now, as I've done for many times here, I share a scripture that's been rolling around in my heart for a minute. And I do it for my own benefit, but also for yours. So here's the one I've been uh, reading for last month. Proverbs 4.7, it says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. One more time. The beginning of wisdom is... Thank you. Get wisdom. Though it costs you, get understanding. And the promise or the premise of this, that the true pursuit of wisdom is understanding. My hope is that this evening you have an understanding of what it means to be fruitful and to multiply. You have an understanding of what your true calling is as a believer. You have an understanding of what it means to be a person who lives and loves like Jesus in your context. Now, the the whole statement of being fruitful and multiply comes from the text Genesis 128. And if you guys are unfamiliar with that, that's the first page or five pages in of your Bible. If you guys have that Google machine, you can look that up. Genesis 128, and it says this, that God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve the beginning, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, the beginning, God speaks to these people. And these people of God, again, have been called to do what? Be fruitful and to multiply. Now... As we enter into this space, I am a man who has been married for five years, right? Five years, amazing years. COVID does not make it two, no, five years. Amazing five years to a beautiful wife called Doreen. And in our five years, I come uh, in a space where we do not have our own children. In fact, we've been in a space where we have fostered two children in our second year of marriage. Not our first, but indeed, yes, our second year of marriage. A 12-year-old and a 3-year-old. Amazing. Wild time. And last year, we actually had a miscarriage, okay? And I've been in a space where I'm trying to work through being passionately patient for what God calls for us in being fruitful and multiply. Immediately, you guys think, Children, I'd think in these five years, we might have a picture like this or a little photocopy of this guy running around the church, right? So much so that this little baby Aaron, this is me like when I was one or something, right? Uh, If I had a baby little Aaron right now, I would be so blessed that I'll be able to say, where's Grace Frazier? Where's Janae Leese? I'll pay you to take my child to Disneyland because I'm not going, right? But I, I'm hoping that I would have this child to represent, image me to be an, a representative of who I am. And in fact, the reality is that has not been the case. So I began to think to myself, your word says, Lord, in Psalms 127.3, that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Again, 128, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And one of the instructions, the first instructions to mankind was to be fruitful again and to multiply. So I'm like, Lord, there must be something more to this. There must be something more to maybe not just having physical children. There must be something else. And maybe you're in a space where I am, and maybe these are your questions. For me, some of the questions that run through my mind was, for people like me, and for those in the room, this may be your case, I'm not wishing this on you, but if this is your case, you might have these questions. But what if God does not give you biological children? What then? Are you fruitful? Are you multiplying? Is your purpose lost? Will you be like Jeremiah whom God actually told, hey, partner with me, don't marry and have children? That's not a bar and that's not fun, right? He's like, sex, not for you. Children, not for you. That whole deal, not for you. Jeremiah was told by God, that's what's going on. That's his walk. What if the second question would be this? What if my spouse cannot have children? At that point, what do you do? Many times people will prep for that. They will do tests and whatnot. In fact, when I was getting married, they do tests in Uganda because I got married in Uganda. They check for HIV. They check if you have different uh, things in your bloodline and all these things, but you don't check. You can't know that. So what happens when you get to that space and you cannot have children? What about this? Maybe some of you have a fear of having children. Why? Because you've had bad examples and you look back in your face, your history, and you are sad and not convinced not encouraged. And so you look at this verse in Ephesians 6:4 that says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Why? You yourself has been, have been exasperated. You've been frustrated. You had no example. What then do you do? Is your purpose shot? Now, I, I think there's things in our faith that we believe for. There's many things we believe for and things we believe. Like we believe that, that man, God spoke the word into existence, Right? We believe things like Jonah was alive in a fish for three days, right? We believe salvation. Of all these things, we believe in our life, salvation. I think personally, if we can trust God for our salvation, surely we can trust him for all things. We can trust him for all things. Whether we are to be a people who have physical children or on the flip side, maybe something else, maybe a spiritual child, it says this in Romans eight thirty two of God, of Jesus, the one who owns you, who bought your salvation, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How we not also along with him graciously give us all things? He says in Jeremiah, behold, I am the Lord and God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm like, wow, these are things that I'm preaching to myself, speaking to myself in the midst of of this confusion and thought process. In fact, this past week, I've been feeling a weirdness in my body, my spirit. I'm like, what is this? And I had to encourage myself in the Lord, encourage myself through this word. And I'm reminded of Lazarus. So you guys remember Lazarus? Lazarus was one who Jesus loved. He loved him. He desired him. He was his friend. And yet he waits for Lazarus to die. He withholds from him something. He keeps from him that life. Why? That he may reach a revelation of who he is later on. Lazarus dies. And for some of us, we have unmet expectations. You might have unmet expectations in that physical realm or disappointments in different spaces. Lazarus is the one, again, whom Jesus loves. But it says in John 11 4, this, That when he heard this, Jesus, it said the sickness, the sickness that Mr. Lazarus has, this death, this sleeping will not end in death. Notice for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. It might be an interesting space where what you're perceiving as God withholding from you is actually God preparing you for a greater glory. There's things in the process, there's things in the midst of all those moments that you are unqualified or unsure or unaware. See, because God is more concerned with your sanctification, so you can be fruitful. So you can be a person who has fruitfulness. And we'll define that as we go on. This God who is a sun and shield. You guys have heard that verse in Psalms 84.1, 84.11? It's been sung here many times. Right, that he's a son and a shield, he bestows favor and honor and no good thing will he withhold from those who do what? This is amazing. This God is not withhold from us, but he keeps it from us as a faithful caretaker until we are ready for it. Until we're ready for what's coming. So what am I gonna do in the midst of my waiting? What may you have to do in the midst of your waiting in this middle space? You contend and you learn to be content. You ask God to help your soul, to hold you, to keep you safe. In fact, it says this in Isaiah 26.3, that he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Other versions, those whose minds are set on you because they trust in you. See, the lie that we've been told is this. Our church culture has glorified childbearing the same way we have glorified marriage as if it is the only way and true path to holiness. And that's not true. That is not the reality. But the, the truth is this that God again has called his people to be fruitful and to multiply. The consistent focus we see in scripture from Genesis to Revelation is that God himself is more focused on a spiritual fruitfulness more than a physical blessing. And that's why we exist. That's why we we can look back and say, we are sons of Adam. Sometimes negative, sometimes positive. Because God has planted a spiritual seed. He's preparing in you and working in you something that's going to be everlasting. It's said in John 1.12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor a husband's will but born of the will of God. What's the point? That believers, believers in Jesus become children of God. So ultimately the question is this, when we're talking about being fruitful and multiplying, there's a sense that we're talking about the physical space. And I long for that time to have children. I long for that time to have physical children, but I've been in ministry for about 13 years. I have done more marriages for children in my like youth group, 13 years of ministry. I'm now 32, then then people have met around. I've had so many marriages I've done. Thankfully, no funerals, I don't hope to do so. But God has allowed there to be a spiritual fruitfulness in that space. He's allowed there to be a, a multiplication in that space. Because again, believers in Jesus become children of God. The mistake is this, as we've been talking, it's been a focus on me, and what if I happen, what happens here? What happens in all these places about me? The mistake we often make in the context about fruitfulness or even multiplication is that it's all about you, that it's about you. What if I don't have this? What if this doesn't happen? It's all about you, which is why when the focus on yourself is the main thing, even your prayers are weak. Are you wondering why your prayers are weak? James says this, he goes, man, you guys, when you pray, you pray amiss. Cause when you ask, you ask for things that don't attain to God. You're asking for your selfish ambition. And so he goes, take this look, our eyes off of us. You wanna know the will of God, but you keep seeking your will in prayers. You're asking God, okay, for example, fasting becomes like a, a, little, a little weight loss plan in between bulk season because every season's bulk season, right? You know what I'm trying to say, right? Obviously, I'm on that plan. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, or Bible reading becomes a daily aesthetic post for your Instagram stories, right? Like these things are just small moments, but they won't end up having a focus on you. They're all, they're all focused on you and not on the Lord. Let's go back to Genesis, because this is the beginning. One twenty-six. he says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness immediately. The idea of fruit bearing or continuation or multiplication is making in God's image and likeness. It's not about you. Another version says, God blessed them saying, be fruitful. The purposes of of all of us, all little Christians or people around the world. Do you know how many humans are on the earth? The true purpose of all these faces on the earth is that all of us would never forget that this is about God, that this is about Him. It's about His glory and His pursuits. See, that's the real reason why we exist. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Why? To go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age when God called you child of God to his son, to himself. He called you to fruitfulness. He called you to make disciples. So this turns on its head for a person like me. In fact, it turns on its head for most people because you are maybe thinking, we're gonna talk about babies. Praise God, if you have babies, it's an awesome thing. It's gonna be good, be awesome, be fruitful, multiply, right? But for some of us, the true like nature of God is calling us to is to be a people who are making disciples. And so fruitfulness then turns from what we're thinking of and becomes this, the quality or substance of a person. God wanted these people, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful, to have substance, to have character, to have oomph, not to be an empty tin that makes noise and just worships on a Thursday. No, he wants more from you. He called you to be a person of quality. And then what happens next from this person of depth, the person of quality? Some of us can't even, we don't have any depth. And it's why we're still single. Not that singleness is a bad thing, right? But because you're so stuck on the the simple things like that guy has horrible shoes. And so you have no depth of character of what you're looking for because you yourself have no character. You don't know what to look for, right? Like for some of us, it's an idea of like, oh man, like uh, I don't even pay my taxes, but you want God to bless you. You have no character, right? You're wanting these things from God, but he wants you to live a life of fruitfulness that starts with you going deep with him. There's no question, no question whatsoever that family is highly valued by God. None whatsoever. And truly it is the family of God that is highly valued. But what are you doing to put stock, to put investment, to put all of God has given you in fruitfulness into that kingdom? The second, re- the reason of that word of uh, uh, explanation of that word multiplies this, simply to have increased fruitfulness. That's basically it, right? You get quality people and quality people make more quality people, right? That's basically the idea. That's why some of y'all trying to get married, you're like, that guy has a great nose. I want that for my babies, right? <laughs> like that's basically what's going on. You're like, I am a nose girl. Like this was, my, you know, like that's where some of us are on that plan, right? But how much more so for the quality of character in spirit and strength in spirit, so that when you do multiply, you're not mul- multiplying a bunch of ratchet people, right? You are you are multiplying, right? You're multiplying that thing of quality. You're representing Christ well. You're holding to him well so that you make a household that makes disciples or you become a small group that makes disciples. For many of you in this room who are serving with high school ministry or middle school ministry or elementary, you are spiritual mothers and fathers. There are people who remember you down in their 40s and 50s and say, that lady prayed for me at a camp. When I was having withdrawals from drugs, I snuck into camp. Think about that. They'll be like, that person was my spiritual mom and present. They will honor you. Why? Not because you birthed them, but because you sacrificed and were a person who was spiritually being fruitful and multiplying in their life. We must first go deep. People, trust me, you must first go deep before you go wide. You must first go deep before you go wide with the Lord. Deep in your relationships with him. Deep, I mean, even with business transactions all these things matter with how we go deep with our integrity with the lord john 15:8 says this this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples now if you've read that chapter before john 15 verse 2 talks about no fruits verse 2 talks about some fruits verse 2 talks about more fruit and then verse 8 talks about having much fruits right so you got no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. I want you guys to do right now. Eyeball someone next to you, right? Don't look to their side or to their ear. Look them right in the face, right? Right in the eyeballs and ask them this question. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Look them right in the eyeball. Ask them, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Right? Are you bearing no fruits? Are you bearing some fruits? Are you bearing more fruits? Or are you bearing much fruits? When you think about it, right? Since we've all like evaluated ourselves, these guys in the room, check it out. Ask yourself the question, when was the last time you led someone to Christ? Let's be real. Child of God, Christians, believers, fruitful and multiply people, right? Coming here, receiving from God, hearing from God, like reading your Bibles every day. When was the last time you invited someone not to church but led them to God? Praise God for the environment where you can lead someone to God at church and those, it's, it's amazing, right? There's joy in the beloved. I believe there's some people in this room who are not Christians who are gonna be Christians today. Why? Because they've enjoyed and seen, they've tasted and seen the goodness of God in this community. But I ask you, when was the last time you invited someone into the kingdom yourself? Can you be like Paul who said, I pour everything of who I am out as a drink offering. He left nothing in the cup of his life, why? Because he was committed to multiplying and being fruitful and making disciples. Can you say that child of God of your life with him? John 15:1 says, Jesus is the true vine that you might be connected. Jesus is the true vine, John 15, 1. It's an amazing chapter. Go read it in your own time, right? Again, pull up your Google machine. If you want a Bible, by the way, we have some free ones here, free of charge. Praise God, you can have one. Mark it up, read it, eat it, tear it up. It's yours, a gift from us to you, right? John 15, 1. Jesus says that he's the true vine, and I think for some of us, we're unable to bear fruit. We're unable to be a people who multiply because we're connected to the wrong vine. We're connected to insecurities. We're connected in basing our relationship with Jesus on things that are not actually wholesome or even of God. He wants us to be a people who are connected to him. When he says, I am the bread of life or I am the living water. He wants to be the all satisfying pleasure of our life so we can be a people who are fruitful it says in that same chapter that he is also the vine dresser. The vine dresser, if you guys have ever been to a vineyard and whatnot, the vine dresser examines the vine. He looks at it, and then he cuts some stuff off. And some good stuff also sometimes gets cuts off. And some of you guys might be like just concerned, and this is totally like a side note, right? You might be concerned about stuff that God is cutting off, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but ultimately you should be rejoicing. Why? Because you're in the vineyard. You are in a space where God is actually working in love you. He's working on you and in you and with you. Why? Because he wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be a person who is fruitful. That he pulled you up from that miry clay, from that foolishness you were living in, right? That broken relationship, that random job. Why? Because he wants you to be a person who is fruitful. There are too many unsaved people who are in this room and around you for you to be messing around and not trying to be fruitful. Okay? Okay. The call that God has called us is huge. It's amazing. It's wild. But it takes people who are committed to learning and growing, trusting to be people who are real disciples. Philippians 2, 13 tells us this, that it is God who works in you to will and to work his perfect and good purpose. So you don't have to do this on your own. Aaron, these are big demands. All the way from Genesis down to Philippians. Dang, this guy from Africa, where is he going with all this stuff, Right? You don't have to do it on your own. The promise is that again, he's the one who works in you and works all those things with you to bear fruit. Why? Because real disciples bear fruit. John 15, 16, he tells us this, do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give to you. We see a man called Paul. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. Paul, if you read the book of Ephesians, amazing book, the first three chapters tells us who we are in Christ. If you're wondering about who you are in Christ, what God's truly given you, go grab the book, six chapters, easily uh, a, a day read, maybe, right? You guys spend more time scrolling on Instagram, TikTok, doing God visit, God's like POV like selfies all the time. Just take like 20 minutes or something, right? A day, read the Bible. But uh, then then verses uh, uh, four, five, and six tell us how we are to live. And this man, instead of saying, I am Paul, smart guy, went to school, Gamaliel, all these crazy things you could have dropped, bars, like hard bars, right? He goes, no, 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 no. I am Paul, a prisoner for the Lord. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling to what you have received. So the question is, how do you then step into fruitfulness, how you begin to be fruitful by living up to the calling to which you have been gloriously called, to what you've been called and spoken into. You must be a person who preaches to themselves the glorious gospel every day. What does that look like? Let's open up Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. This is what God says, what God has done for every single person in this room. This is what God is setting as a premise for you to be a person who is fruitful and multiplying. He goes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Why did he do it? Or how did he do it? In love. He loved you enough to do so. He says, he did so in love and he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It got him, it brought him great pleasure and great will and great enjoyment. Literally, God sees you and he is happy. He smiles upon you, child of God. He looks upon you, child of God, and he is rejoicing because you are his. You are his fruit. You are his. His multiplication. First Peter 1.23 says, For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Again, here's that point. God is pushing us to a spiritual seed, a spiritual fruitfulness, a spiritual multiplication. And that actually starts where? Because maybe you never thought about this before. Where does that start? That starts in our hearts and in our minds. See, what happens is this. Fruitfulness or lack thereof is an issue of identity, right? It's an issue of identity. Who you think you are, how you're going to operate depends on who you believe you actually are. Like how you operate depends on how you actually are. That's what happens. If you believe you're strong, then you're like, I'm going to lift these 250 pounds, whatever. Like I don't want you guys to be lifting in the gym. Uh, But you're going to do it, right? You have the, the, the thought process. You put your mind to it it's so tied to identity that Jesus walking through uh, uh, Israel curses the fig tree. Because this fig tree said it was a fig tree. And in its season, it's supposed to be bearing fruit. And when it wasn't bearing fruit, what does he do? He curses it and that that thing dies. That mug dies. Why? Because it said it was supposed to be bearing fruit in that season and it was not. It was cast off. The foundation of our fruitfulness is knowing our purpose in God. What has he called you to? What has has he made you to be? Ultimately, you believer, you and I in this room, are reflection of the prevailing word in our hearts and in our minds. You are reflection of the prevailing word of God in your hearts and in your mind. That's what happens. That's why across this room, across our building, uh, from the lips of the people who come off this stage, you say, God's people delight in God's word. Trust me, every single time I sit down with people to talk about life and godliness, I ask the question, what did Jesus tell you in the word? That's the question I always ask because I could talk all kinds of junk. I could scream and my vein keeps popping all kinds of stuff, but I'll ask you, what did God tell you? Are you hearing from him? It said of Job that he desired God's word more than necessary food. Is that your walk? see your mind ends up being the womb for the seed of the word of God your identity your fruitfulness your multiplication starts from your heart being centered and put in the word of God it's kind of like how you have medicine right how many guys have medicine get a little headache what do you do You get a little headache you like some guys are like people are doing this no guys no 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 <laughs> you just like you know aspirin whatever all those things right like that's what you do right Their job literally is to get the word inside of you, to put that thing inside of you, to heal you. And so for for us, the question is, how then do we act out this walk? How do we act out this fruitfulness? How do we begin to build this quality of personhood inside of us so we can multiply it? One, Ephesians 5, 5, 5, 15 through 16 tells us this, that we are to be a people who walk in wisdom. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's no time. There's no time. So live in wisdom, making most of every time. Check your phone. How much screen time do you have? What are you using that screen time for? There's a story I heard of recently of uh, these people uh, it was like a, a, a daughter, uh, no, it was a son and her mom. And she noticed recently because they have these things you can track on your parents' phones, all these different things, like how much screen time, what they're using it for. And this kid was randomly increasing a time in the Bible app, like a lot of time, like a ton of time. You know, if there's like a lot, then there's like a lotto, you know, like more, like in, in between a little and a lot. So, anyway, a lot. So, what happens is this she goes in and checks this person's phone, right? This kid's phone. And this kid, I kid you not, was using the Bible app to send like rudes, right? To one another, like to other people. You guys know rudes? Praise God. Like they were sending them to one another using the Bible app. So using all this time in this Bible app, not for the purpose of walking in wisdom, but using that time to denigrate himself. You guys are like, what are rudes? Rudes? Nudes? Ah, praise God. Anyway. Try not to get, you know, whatever, here we go, right? But that's what was happening. It was wild. Not walking in wisdom, not redeeming the time. That was happening. And so how then do we change that? How do we change that mindset? We'll be a people who use the opportunity that God has given us to then walk in the presence and the power of the people around us. What does that look like? We've said here in our context, the life change happens in relationship, right? So you're saying, hey, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Aaron. I realize that I am maybe bearing no fruit or much fruit or more fruits. And I'm in a space where I want to have an increase with the Lord. I want to be more fruitful. He asks us to then use the benefit and the blessing of the people around us who I identify those things in you, who will in love encourage you, who in love rebuke you, in love draw you closer to his side. So you can be a person who lives and loves like him. This is why in Ephesians five fourteen it says this: "Wake up, O sleeper! Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you." In five eight through ten, he says we're to be a people who walk in the light. How do you walk in the light? How do you grow depth in that? He says you were once darkness, now you live as children of the light. You be a person who chooses to make this one decision, like Joshua. In Joshua one three through six. These be, were people who decided, I'm going to hold on to the precepts of the Lord. I'm going to hold on to these truths of who God says I am. I'm going to continue preaching to myself the gospel of my deliverer, of my king, the one who saved me. And with that premise in Joshua 1:3 through 6, instead of thinking about the promised land and how they're going to slay giants. You guys remember that Joshua and Caleb went out there? right? And they found all these giants, they came back, they reported that there was honey and all these great things. The other guys came back and said, guys, there's giants, they're crazy. We're like grasshoppers in their side. Instead of going into this place thinking or having fear of these giants or getting wisdom in how to slay giants, the conversation is this. You will take that plot, you will take that plot, you will take that plot. Why? They have confidence in God because they know who they are. They trust that they are children of the one living God, that that he's the God of all flesh is nothing too impossible for him, nothing is. The vision changes. And that's how you begin that walk of growing in fruitfulness. See this call to fruitfulness is done by holding true to the word of God. Holding true to the word of God. There's multiple times I've said this and I'll I'll keep saying this. The simple way for you to grow with Jesus is to read the word of God and do what it says. It's as simple as that. You read this word and you do what it says, you hold on to the truth of these things. And then you switch and you say, okay, now I've grown in fruitfulness. My job now is to go out and to begin to multiply. And in our context, we say it this way, that saved people then serve other people. How do you do so? How then you serve other people aimlessly, anyhow? On Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, whenever they ask you to, no, have some wisdom, right? Do it this way. 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith you stand firm. You work with these people for your joy. So let's see if it's understood who you, who you are in Christ. You're holding on and growing in fruitfulness. Now the walk for you, the next step for you would be this. Let me find a place in my community, where I can then work for the joy of those around us. It's only in our context. It's only in Christian context where we are blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. I kid you not, the joy of, of coming back from a camp, or coming back from a small group or after a service when we sit around uh, uh, our, our five minute meeting after our hsm or a middle school ministry time and talk about the winds of how god has moved in the lives of our kids is unbelievable it's so rewarding not because we did it but because we've seen god move we've seen him be faithful and so we do this for their joy Ephesians 5, one through two says, follow God's example, therefore as dearly beloved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You commit yourself to these things, you give yourself to these things and then not just being present. Now your presence is a present, right? But how did that fruitfulness begin for you? How do you begin to grow in depth by doing this? Acts twenty thirty two. I commit to you God and to the word of his grace, which you can build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. The point is this, what you learned in fruitfulness by committing yourself to the word of God, you then commit to those you're going to disciple. Does that make sense? You hold them to that same thing. You bring them to that same thing. Some of us have had a lapse in this connection with God. And so when we even talk about Christ, you don't even feel the confidence. Why? Because you're far from him. The truth is this, It's us who get far from from God. God is never far from us, right? He's our ever present uh, present help in time of need. His name is Emmanuel. He's with us closer the next breath. What we must do then is be a people then who hold on to this truth and then share it with those around us. The labor for joy is a glorious weight. It's a great one. Paul labors, he works hard for it. My question for you you is this, what are you willing to sacrifice for that fruitfulness in your life? Like what are you willing to lay down in your schedule, in your time, in your mind, foolish or unfoolish? Some things are not just, not sin. Hebrews 1 and two says, we are to be a people who focus our eyes, fix them on Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, laying down every weight and sin, not just sin, sometimes just weight, things that don't help you run the race. What are you willing to lay down for the fruitfulness of God in your life? That's the question. Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2:1 through 2. As I wrap up, like an African pastor for sure. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you, for I grieve. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad? But you, whom I have grieved, what is Paul telling us here? He goes, guys, I I really, really, really want to make you happy. I really want to pursue your joy. I really want to give myself to you. I really want you to have the fullness of what God has poured into my life. And when our leaders and these people in this room, in all these areas in our, our, our body, where they serve and give themselves and work on their fruitfulness and work on multiplication, when they talk about their students, they talk about it from a place of joy. Why? Because they've learned the true identity and. and the real juice, people might like with their juice, but the real truth of this, of what it means to be a person who is fruitful and is able then to multiply. As the worship team comes up, I want us to have this last text, Romans 15, 4. It says this: that for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope. Now, for some of you, you've heard this idea of, yes, the spiritual dynamic. And I I come to you even with the sobering understanding of the physical dynamic, where I'm still waiting. But my encouragement to you is, even as you wait passionately patient for the physical space to be fruitful and to multiply, understand and trust that God has called you to a space to be fruitful and multiply in the spiritual realm. Every single one of us, Genesis and Genesis 1 is echoed in Matthew 28, Is called to be a people who make disciples, who live and love like Jesus. And so if Romans is true and if God is true, then we can also have hope that God will be faithful and use us to do just that. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the the fact that Every time we come to you, you see us, you know us, and you draw us close. Not for the sake of just being close, but to prune, to examine, to love, so that we can be a people who are fruitful, who are born of quality, born not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, born of your word, so that we can then multiply that to other people. Help the people in this room to be a people who delight in your word, to be a people who serve others, to be a people who seek your heart above all else, to be a people who then ask, Lord, where can I go? Whom in heaven do I have but you? Let them have that same desire as David, Lord God, who says, man, like like the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you. Fill them and meet them at that point of hunger so then they can... Rejoice and share that with those around them, like the psalmist. They can say, "Let the nations be glad, because you've wrought them salvation, Lord." We thank you, Lord. We praise you, and all God's people send, Amen.